0: Here's what I wanna do this morning. First, I wanna talk to you about stuff we learn. We learn a lot of stuff in this life. And everything we learn isn't good. Everything we learn isn't true. So let's look at some of the things we learn. Some people learn this in life. We We learn that God doesn't need me. The church doesn't need me. His mission doesn't need me. I mean, there are people out there that That Believe this, Jamie Jamie was talking just a few moments ago about how some of you are struggling like to just get free and worship because you know how you've blown it this week. You know how you've messed up. You know, well, God God doesn't need me because look at me, what am I? Look at all the sin that's in my life. Look at all the mistakes that I've made. How, How could God use someone like me? And people begin to learn, they learn that, all right? They learn it. They learned that God doesn't need them. They learned that the mission, the mission of God to reach our communities, the mission he's given this church, that that mission doesn't need me because I, I, I'm a person with all kinds of problems. I'm the one who's struggling through life. It doesn't need me. And, and we learned that I don't need God. You ever? Did you learn that? There are people who have learned today that they don't need God. They can figure out a way to get through it. We'll just fight. And fight and fight and try to work it out. if we don't work it out, then we'll get divorced. I don't need God. I mean that's actually the attitude a lot of people have. It, it, it's happening today. Or, or, or you know, I'll I just keep my kids so busy and involved in so many things that they won't have time to get involved in, in, in stuff they shouldn't get involved in, or, or, or to get hooked on drugs or to become an alcoholic. I don't need God. I can just keep them busy. Or I can work a few extra hours of overtime if I have a a financial need or even get another job. I can do that. I, I, I don't need God to help me with my finances. I'll just take the pills, have the surgeries, go through the treatments, accept the inevitable. That's life. I don't need God. I hear people say that kind of thing all the time they've learned they don't need God or I am too busy I got too many things going on in my life I am just I'm really I'm really just too busy for God or to add something else to that small group are you kidding me another night a week I am too busy for that kind of a thing I mean I can barely hold my life together as it is are you listening to me are you listening to me right here Sometimes we just need to listen to what it is we're saying, right? I'm too busy as it is. I can't even hold my life together. I, 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 don't, I don't have time for any more of God. Oh, and God, you know, one of the reasons that we misunderstand this is we think God wants to add some stuff to our life. He doesn't want to add anything. What God wants to do is he wants to swap some stuff out. He wants to give you something better than what you've been spending all that time on. And the Bible, that, that's, that's for other people. You know, you know those people who are weak-minded? You know, those people who, who, who you know, they, they gotta have something support them because they're just wimps. You know, they're over-emotional or over-spiritual or whatever, they, you know, the Bible's for everybody. I got everything I need. I got friends, you know, I got, I've, got, I've got a good education. You know, I've got a good education. I can figure most things out. If I run into something I can't figure out, I've got friends. You know, it's like that old, uh, you know, TV game show. You know, phone a friend. I got somebody I can phone. You know, if I don't, you know, if I run across something I didn't learn in school, I got a friend. You know, and if it's something really deep, I've, I've, I've got somebody, you know, kind of a mentor person that I can call, and if, you know, and if they're unavailable and they can't have lunch this week, well, there's always Dr. Phil, you know, he's gonna be on some TV show somewhere or something, and if all else fails and I get backed into a corner, I'll just go hire an attorney. I mean, this is the way people are really talking today. That I, I, I don't need the instruction of the Bible, I got all the instruction I need, all these things in my life, I, I, I got it all figured out. And giving, oh, oh that, that's for people without financial obligations. Now exactly who in the world is that? I mean, tell me, who in the world does not have some financial obligations? There is nobody. I mean, you, just think about if you If everyone had that attitude that, that giving was only for those who don't have financial obligations. You and I today, we would not be sitting here in this awesome facility. We'd be sitting outside under a tree somewhere with umbrellas trying to keep dry and, cold and warm. We wouldn't be sitting here listening to this awesome music in this great presence and this, this sweet spirit, drinking your coffee when you come in cold and wet, right? I mean, we, we wouldn't have this if somebody else thought that, that giving is for someone else to do. There wouldn't be a church here. There wouldn't be someone to pray with me. There wouldn't be someone to do these things. It doesn't matter how well you learn something because, because what happens with people is, that, is they begin to, they begin to think something and then they begin to try it out and so then they think they've learned it It doesn't matter how well you learn something in life and how much you believe in it, if it isn't true, it is still a lie and it's gonna destroy you eventually. We learn all these lies and and they're untrue, but we learn them because we try them out and, and we find out we can get by without God for a week. We can get by without church for a month. We can get by without being a giver. You know, until we get our finances back in order when is that gonna be right? Amen. you know We can get by there's there's plenty of safety nets around and, and so we find out we can get by If you have never you know, and a lot of you are young Christians If you have never learned these five lies, and there's probably a bunch more I could have thrown up there If you've never learned these five lies, please Do everything you can to protect yourself from learning these lies And if you've learned one of these lies If you've been operating under one of these lies, I am praying today, I've been praying this week. It's not just me praying, God's laid this message right here on us today because he's praying this, is that you unlearn that lie. So let's get started. Let's unlearn some lies this morning. First of all, let's unlearn that first one, that God, his church, his mission doesn't need me. Everyone has something awesome to do for Jesus. Would you read that with me and say it out loud? Everyone has something awesome to do for Jesus. Y'all can do better than that, right? One more time. Everyone has something awesome to do for Jesus. That includes, everyone means everybody. I mean, that's, that doesn't leave anyone out. That's not 99.9%, that is everyone. Everyone has something awesome to do. And so, you know, if you're not doing that awesome thing, you might think, well, it's no big deal if I don't do my, but it's an awesome thing. It's not a little thing, it's an awesome thing. You know, and if you're not doing your awesome thing for Jesus, that means it's not getting done. Or somebody else is trying to have to do it while they're doing their awesome thing, but they're not doing the awesome thing the way you could do that awesome thing. You know, there's some stuff that ain't happening if you're not doing your awesome thing. The, the, the kids or the teenagers or the young adults that you, that you are specially gifted to pour into, if you're not doing your awesome thing, then they are not receiving that special, unique gift that only you can give, that special, unique way of, of ministering and pouring in, of, of praying over people or whatever. They're not receiving that. You know, if you're not doing your awesome poor miss mary right here if you know if we don't do our awesome thing miss mary's gonna be short of one hug today you know we got to make sure she gets all her hugs on a sunday right and we gotta do our awesome thing some of you don't know who i'm talking about well y'all need to meet miss mary okay because she's been short of if you don't know who i'm talking about she's been short of a hug every sunday we gotta do our awesome thing because if we're not doing our awesome thing there are things that are falling through the cracks you were given i don't know what we think we think? Like, like Jamie was alluding to just a few moments ago. But you just don't know what I've done, Pastor. You just don't, okay, let, let me take you to scripture, John chapter 21. And, and this is the beginning of verse 15, goes to verse 17. We'll read it all, but I'm gonna lay it out for you. Jesus said to Simon Peter, Simon, son of John, do you love me more than these? Yes, Lord, Simon Peter said. You know that I love you, Jesus said, feed my lambs. And Jesus said again, Simon, son of John, do you love me more than these? And, Simon Peter says, yes, Lord, you know I love you. And Jesus said, take care of my sheep. And Jesus asked him the third time, Simon, son of John, do you love me more of these? And now Simon Peter's like, what is up? You know, he's like, Jesus, you know everything. Then you already know the answer to this. And, and in fact, I've already answered you twice, but you do it before you even asked. Of course you know, Jesus said, I love you. And Jesus once again says, then feed my sheep. You know... Here's, here's the important thing about this passage of Scripture, is who Simon Peter was. Let me back, let me back up just a little bit. Let me go back to the Old Testament just a little bit. Let me run into Simon Peter with this Scripture right here, okay? Y'all remember Moses? You ever heard of Moses? I mean, you've seen the, you've seen the movies, right? You know, used to, when I first started preaching, I'd talk about Ten Commandments, but there's been so many of them put out now. I mean, you know, even Disney got in on the act, you know, and so we, we, pretty much everybody knows who, who Moses is, right? He was, the, he was the man that God chose to lead his own special people out of slavery and to a promised land. But you know who Moses was? Moses was also, he killed a man, and then he tucked tail and ran to hide to get away from Pharaoh so he wouldn't have to pay the price. That's who God, that's who God chose to lead his people out of Israel, out of Egypt into the Promised Land. Or, or what about David? You know, David, who was David? Okay, David was the little shepherd boy, wrote, wrote all these psalms, you know. Go to the Bible, you, you know, book of psalms, you'll see how many of them, those were written by David. He wrote all these psalms. He sang, he worshiped. The king actually called him in at times and, and to play for him when he would have like a spirit of depression or oppression on him and he would have him come and, and, and play and sing and the spirit would be driven away because of, the, because of the power and the songs that David would write and the spirit that was with him. This is this is David. that that killed the giant Goliath. This is David that then grew up and became the king of Israel. This is David of whom God said, he is a man after my own heart. Yet David also committed adultery and then to hide it, he committed murder by killing the husband of the woman he slept with. And this is the man that God says is a man after my own heart. And then we get to Simon Peter here. And when, when, God, when Jesus first meets Simon Peter, it's early, you know, Jesus is just about to begin his ministry. And he sees Simon Peter. Simon Peter is fishing or washing his nets. He's tidying up for the days. But he's, he's kind of involved there on the beach. And, and Jesus calls him and says, follow after me, and I'm going to make you a fisher of men. And so Simon Peter follows him. And, and so the, the next three years, he's following Jesus and doing ministry. I mean, he's watching all these miracles. And then on the very night... The moment in his life that Jesus needed his men more than ever, you know what Simon Peter does? He denies that he knows Jesus three times, and one time, at least, he even cusses. That's what we say down here in the South, right, he cusses. So I don't know him. Blankety-blank, I don't know him. I don't know him, and this is the one that now Jesus is saying, if you love me, feed my sheep. And you know what, he, here's what he's doing. They're back at the beach. Because when, when, when Simon Peter gets up, when, when, when he gets up the next day and he realizes Jesus is still dead and I've done this horrible thing and I've wept and I've cried, but now it's all over, you know what Simon, he goes back to fishing. That's what has just happened before, before these verses right here. He's gone back to fishing and Jesus shows up and he says, Simon Peter, now I'm gonna really, really, really paraphrase. you know what that means, don't you? It means I'm gonna take lots of liberty right here with what Jesus said. Because I'm going to tell you what's going on behind the scenes of what Jesus is saying. Jesus is saying, Simon Peter, what are you doing back here fishing? I told you I was going to make you a fisherman, and I know you messed up the other night. I know that you denied that you knew me three times, and you even cussed, as they say down in the south. But Simon Peter, you've come back to fishing. I called you away from this because I called you to go out, and I know you've messed up, but it's time for you to get back off this beach and get back to doing what I have called you to do. Is anybody listening today? These three Men right here are perfect examples of how everyone has something awesome to do for Jesus Christ. And you have to, no matter what you have done, no matter how have you have you denied that you've known him? Have you cursed and sworn as as he was being led away to his cross? You know, have, have you done the things that Moses or David had done? Have you, you know, committed adultery and murder all in the same family? You know, in the same just few days and weeks have you done all of these things no you haven't done those things and if god can still use simon peter then he can still use you because everyone has something awesome to do for jesus we're coming back to this again toward the end okay but just hang on to all that stuff there because i believe the holy spirit is really, really really tearing at somebody right now you just really believe that you have just done way too much but think about the examples of moses david and simon peter you have something awesome to do for Jesus. Let's go back to our list. Because the next lie I want to cross out is I don't need God. I don't need God. In the Bible, there are two times that we, we know that Jesus cried. The first one is there in the book of uh, uh, John, chapter 11, verse 35, where Lazarus Lazarus has died and it says Jesus wept. Now, I don't have time to develop this, but let me just throw this at you. Jesus is about to raise Lazarus back from the dead. So it is highly improbable that Jesus is crying because Lazarus is dead, knowing that in just a few minutes he's gonna raise him back to life, right? I mean, it is more likely that Jesus is crying because maybe he just, I hate Lazarus went through this, or maybe it's because he's looking at all these people all around him that are dealing with all of these, these, uh, these issues of grief and loss, and he is weeping for them. But he weeps, he weeps. Perhaps because of their hopelessness. Because, because even, even Mary says, oh, if you'd have just been here, if you'd have just been here, Jesus, he wouldn't have died. If you'd have been here, you could have healed him. And maybe that's why he weeps, because you know, this struck me just a few weeks ago. I was, I was thinking about this scripture and this passage, and I thought, there she is, Mary. She's got enough faith to believe that Jesus can heal, but not, not enough faith to believe that Jesus can raise him from the dead. If you'd have been here then, he wouldn't have died. But she's not even thinking about the fact that Jesus can raise him back from the, life, from the dead, back to life. And so perhaps that's why Jesus is crying. It's because he's thinking, oh my goodness. These people, they're dealing with so much stuff and they just don't even realize who it is standing right here before them that is able to bring life back from dead, that is able to, br- that is able to bring a future back into peoples whose lives are totally destroyed and despondent and have nothing left and nothing to hope for. Uh, The other time that Jesus cried is is in Luke chapter 19, verse 41. says, as he approached Jerusalem and he saw the city, he wept over it. Now, uh, he, he goes on and he says some things there. In the next few verses, you can read that. If you go to the Sundays page, you can click on the link and it'll take you there. But, but if you'll add that to l- look something else he says about Jerusalem in another place. In Matthew 23, verse 37, Jesus says, Jerusalem, Jerusalem, how often I have longed to gather your children together as a hen gathers her chicks under her wings and you were not willing. You see, I think, I think the, same, the same sentiment here in Matthew was the same thing that he was saying there, why he, why he cried in Luke chapter 19. is because when he looked at Jerusalem, you know what he saw? He saw a city, a city that he had come for, a city full of people that, that he was about to die for, and, and they wouldn't accept him, and, and they couldn't see the fact that the Son of God, the, the light of the world, the, the life that, that, that he gives us, the bread of life, the word of life, this fresh water to drink, and, and, and here it is, it's all, in the, and they can't see it, and he wanted so badly to, 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 to draw them in, and they couldn't see it. Here, here's, here's the thing, scratch that out, I don't need God. Because you do need God, that's, that's why he's crying for you today. If you have learned you don't need God, that you can get by in this life without him, he is weeping for you today too. Man, you just don't realize how much greater it could be. You you think that I can I can heal and I can fix a few of those things? He says, "No, I can I can bring it all back to life." What you listen here? What you think is dead? This this is for somebody. What you think is dead? Jesus says, "I can bring new life into it, and you'll never even remember that it was sick in the first place." That's what he says he can do, and he weeps over somebody today. Come on, he's crying for somebody today. I've been been rejoicing this week just thinking, wow, what an amazing thing God is wanting to do for somebody. But then at the same time, say, oh God, please don't let somebody miss that moment. Don't let us be weeping on Sunday afternoon because somebody missed that moment. Because we also learn I'm too busy. Uh, Boy, I'm going to have to hurry here, am I not? I'm too busy. We, we, We spend a lot of our time, don't we? But maybe we're, that's the problem, is we're spending it, we're wasting it, instead of investing it. Because we keep, we keep using more and more and more and more and more of our time and it doesn't get us anything back. But you know, everything that you give to God, he multiplies it, he increases it, and he gives it back to you. You know that about money, right? Or at least you know that's what the Bible says, whether you have learned that or not. Because, whether you have been willing to, to, to test God in that, you've tested God to just see if I can kinda get by with other things, you need to test God in that test God in that money thing, but test God in your time as well, because Second Corinthians six nine says, "Remember, whoever sows sparingly will also reap sparingly, and whoever sows generously will also reap generously." You need more time than how much time are you giving to God? I mean, because that's the, that's the thing. It's like we're thinking, "Well, I, I I don't have enough time to give God any time." No, the problem is you're taking all your time and you're spending it, or you're wasting it on other things. Where if you just if you just invest some in who God is. Invest some in knowing who he is. Invest some time in getting closer to him. And then what you'll see is you'll begin to see God returning that back to you many times fold. If you don't have any time today, it's because you're spending it all on yourself. You, you know, it, 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 it's like a smile, right? You know, you smile at somebody and you get a smile back, right? Of course, I know some people, you smile at them and they, they start reaching for a, a weapon or something, wonder what's going on, right? But I mean, Most people, you smile at them and they smile back. You can't give love away. You give love away and you see a smile come across a kid's face that you just bought an ice cream for. Let me tell you, that's one of the greatest joys in life. I've always believed that. You give a, you, give a, you know, I mean... By all means, you know, you see some kids looking long, longingly at that ice cream truck running through, the, running through your neighborhood and, and they just want to so bad but they don't have any money and you, and you go over and you say, and you, you know, you give the guy $20 and say, hey, give them all what they want and, and you see the smiles come over their face. You can't give love away. And you can't give anything to God. You can't. He owns it all anyway. And so when you give it to him, he is not gonna let him, you leave this life or leave this world with him owing you something. He's gonna make sure you're always indebted to him. So whatever you give it, give him your time. Pray a little bit more during the day. Read a little bit more, give him, give him some time to get in. I, I gotta hurry. The next one is Bible. the Bible is for others. Culture changes, society changes. You know what, even our knowledge changes. Do You know, there, there are things 20 years ago that, that were said, this can never happen. I mean, when, when I was a kid, we were watching sci-fi stuff, you know, it's like, oh, that'll never happen. And it's happening today. I mean, one of the biggest I think of is Dick Tracy. Anybody going with me, you know what I'm talking about? You know, the, the, the little phone, phone, you know, as the, like the wristwatch phone, you know, kind of a thing. You know, and he was able to see them and talk to them and all of this. I mean, he's got a little TV screen. That'll never happen. It does, does not it? And, and what other things? You know, of course, we're, you know, me and my son, we're really still waiting on that transporter thing in Star Trek. You know, where we can just be, you know, wherever we need to be in a hurry. You know, it's, that, that's going to be that's going to be the ultimate, the awesome, the most amazing one, right? You just you just kind of step in and boom, you're there. That's going to be great. Our 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 knowledge changes. Everything that we've only got one constant right here in the Old Testament. Psalm 119 verse 89 says forever O Lord your word is settled in heaven and in Jesus said it this way in the New Testament Matthew 24 35 heaven and earth will pass away But my words will never pass away. There's one constant There's one thing you can count on that no matter what your situations were this past week The Word of God is still the same that no matter if you got fired this week The Word of God is still the same and the promises are still sure If, if, if your husband left you this week the word of God is still the same and his promises are still, are still sure. If, if your if kids, you don't know where they're at, you don't know what they're doing and you don't know what they're, what they're strung out on today, let me tell you, the word of God is still the same today. It is still secure, it is still there. It is the only constant you and I have and when we say the Bible is for others, we're throwing away the only constant that we can have in our life, the only place that we've got solid ground to always stand on that no matter what storms, no matter what battles, no matter what comes our way, this is the one thing I've got. And some of you are so young, you hadn't learned this yet, but one of the days, you're going to get slapped really hard. And your world's world's going to start crumbling down all around you. And if you don't have the foundation of the Word of God, everything's going to crumble, and you're going to have to start from scratch again. Start getting back to the foundation. Remember, the Bible is not for others. The Bible is for those who need a solid foundation. And that's everybody. And, And this last thing, giving is for those without financial obligations. Let me set this little story up. Jesus was telling this story he's telling about a rich man he said he had he was just doing so well he had just had he had just crops were just increasing and increasing and increasing where he didn't have enough barns to even hold all of the harvest so he decided i'm going to pull down all my barns i'm going to build bigger barns more barns so that i've got plenty of places to store all of my harvest and all of my crops and when he finally got it all built and he looked around he said all right now i'm ready you know i've just i've got it made now I'm like, I'm, I'm the richest man in the county. I've got it made. And so he just said to himself, soul, just take your ease. You know, go, go sit in the easy chair. You know, just, just sit back and just relax and let everybody else do the work because you've got it made now. And Jesus said, God said to him, you fool. Wow. I don't want God to ever say that to me. The God who knows everything, the God who knows the intents of all man's heart, the God who knows the future, the God who knows the reasons. I don't want God to ever say to me, you fool, you fool, you will die this very night. Then who will get everything you worked for? The, the very day that you felt like you finally arrived and got it all figured out, and now you can just take it easy, tonight's the night you're gonna die. And you're a fool. And you know why he's a fool? Because you spent all this time trying to make everybody see how successful he was, building the bigger barns, trying to prove to everyone he was successful, he was somebody. And then this night, he would die. And for all of eternity, people would know he was a fool that spent and wasted his money and never invested in anything that could do anything for eternity. He was a fool. For eternity, people will know he was a fool you know you and i we've got these ideas of of what success is and you know what prosperity is and god says those people that are invest they're fools this life's going to last 70 80 90 years but if there's an eternity it's going to be a lot longer than 70 80 or, 80, or 90 years i mean we, we talk about you know we talk about people that are wise are the ones who are investing for the future but the future they're investing for is 20 30 or 40 years from now The ones who are really wise are the ones who are investing for eternity. And if you don't, then God says, you know, you're a fool. You're a fool. Those those are the lies. Those are the lies. Those are the lies that a lot of people learn. But I I wanted to debunk all of those, give you some scripture to support my debunking. But I wanna tell you what I've learned. What I've learned is I need to be a giver. Because when I'm a taker, there's no more coming in. Because I'm taking, I'm grabbing, I'm reaching. Nobody wants to give to takers. Do you, do you, like, do you like to give to takers? Somebody asks you for money and you give it to them and you know, they just blow it on whatever it is. That, do you like to give to takers? No, if you're, if you're a truly a giver, you like to give to people where you know that the gift is going to be a blessing some way. It's going to help them get back up on their feet, not help them stay in the junk they're living in. So when we're takers, that's spiritually the same way. When we're takers, nothing else comes in. God doesn't want to give to takers, but God loves to see a giver. He says he loves to see a cheerful giver. I need to be a giver because giving is investing. Word of God says, Malachi chapter three, verse 10. It's probably the most often quoted scripture on tithing and giving, but God says, prove me. You think these things are? Or the truth? No, learn this. This is what God's saying. He says, you think that's the truth? No, let, let me tell you what the truth is here. Learn this. Bring the tithes and the offerings into my storehouse, into the church, the place where the spiritual blessings began to go out. He said, bring them in and see. And learn this of me. If I will not open the windows of heaven and pour out a blessing into your life so much that you will not be able to receive it. He says, that's what you need to learn from me. I've learned I need to be a giver. And when I stop being a giver, everything closes up in my life, financially and every other place too. I need to be a giver. Secondly, I, I, I've learned that I need truth. I don't need the world's truth. I don't need Dr. Phil's truth. I don't need your buddy's truth. I don't need your, your, your professor's truth that you, you sat under for four years, you know, in, in college, university, seminary, whatever. I, I don't need their truth. I need real truth. And you know what? You do too. What you're dealing with right now, you, you don't have to say it out loud, you can just say it, mm, and then, mm, mm, yeah, come on. Preach there for a minute. Right, what you're dealing with right now, you don't need me to tell you what I think. You need truth. You need truth that only comes from the Word of God. You need truth that never changes. You need the truth that is today, same yesterday, today, and forever. You need the truth. I need the truth. You need the truth. We need the truth. And I, here's the third thing I've learned, is that I need to be busy with the right things. I'm often busy with too many things, and I'm busy with the wrong things. I need to be busy with the right things. When I'm busy with the wrong things, my my, my time just kind of gets away, and I wonder where did the week go. Come on, somebody, anybody, testify there. Say, hey, Amen, Pastor. You know, I, I mean, I'm preaching where we live, right? And wonder where in the world the week go. But when I am busy with the right things, then all those other things that I thought were important, they get done too. But my week has purpose and has meaning. I need to be busy about right things. I've learned I need God. I need God every day. It seems like often when, when I spend time and just extra time in praying and fasting, you know what will happen? I just get a little full of myself. Y'all never do that, do you? It's like, man, I, I, I'm, so, I'm so holy now, you know, because I've been praying and fasting. Oh, God God really likes me to you know, I'm on his I'm on his a-list this week cuz I've been praying and fasting And you know what happens don't you or maybe you don't? Learn this if you don't know it yet. You're gonna learn it one day But if you'll learn it from me, baby, you'll not repeat it Don't get full of yourself because that's when God's say, mm-hmm. And he'll just back up a little bit And he'll let you see that you still ain't got it That you still need God You don't ever get to a place that you can like the rich man say Soul, just take your ease. Just lay back. You got it made now. You will never get there. You will always need God. Whatever your problem is today that you need God to solve for you, when it gets solved, let me tell you, there's another one coming up behind it. Now I know some people say, well, that sounds pretty pretty depressing. Pastor, let me tell you, that's the world you and I live in. But here's the truth, that we have a God that has already defeated every. Enemy that we will ever have to face and I know it says in the Bible that the last one to be defeated is death He's already got that one started. Okay, because when he was raised raised himself on the third day He's already got that battle started and so it's just gonna be finished one day. He is already defeated Go ahead and give him a hand of praise. He has already defeated everything you will ever face. I need God and the last thing I've learned I am God's plan. God does need me. You know, uh, sometimes we say, well, God doesn't need us. He just wants to use us. No, God needs you I, because you are God's plan. His church needs you. You know, some people come to church just for themselves. I, I, you know, I don't really need to go to church today, so I don't think I'll be there. You know, I've had a good week. You, oh, you, better, you you're getting close to that place pastor gets sometimes when I pray and fast, you know. I, I don't need it today. You know, a lot of people come to church only when they need something. Grow up, become spiritually mature and realize the church needs you. You're here when you need something, there is somebody here today. You don't need anything, there's somebody here today that needs you. There's somebody here today that needs a hug. There's somebody here today that needs a prayer. There's somebody here today that doesn't need to sit in a row all by themselves and sing and worship God. They need somebody standing beside them also, lifting up his name and calling down the the presence of God into this place. We need each other. You, You are needed by the church and the mission needs you. I've learned the mission needs me. You know why? Because I'm God's plan. And I am not just plan A, because there is no plan B. If I'm plan A, that means there's a plan B. I am not plan A, I am the only plan God has got. And that's not just a saying, but I am his plan. And God has decided that if we don't do it, then it just won't get done, because he has chosen us to do it, us to be. God needs us, because we are God's plan. I am God's plan, and if, and if nobody else does it, then it just won't get done because God has chosen to use me. He's chosen to use you, and even if you messed up this week, man, get o- get over it. Get it under the blood, whatever it takes, and let's get back because God needs you today. Stand up and throw your shoulders back and say, wait a minute. I'm somebody because God needs me because I am God's plan. You're God's plan today. No matter what it is you're dealing with, no matter what struggles you've... Just, I mean, all of the examples of the Bible, just go back to them and look at the stories. Everyone that was ever fighting anything, when it was ever winning any battles for God and winning the battles of life, they were dealing with the, with, with the demons and the troubles and the, and the problems all around them. They weren't problem-free. They, they had those things as well. And you today in the middle of your problems, it's time to throw your shoulders back, draw your sword, whatever you've got to do, and say, I am God's plan, and I am going to do what God has called me to do because if I don't do it, It won't get done because I am God's plan. Not only does he want me to be in his presence to worship him, he wants me to be in his presence to fight. Fight for somebody, get it done, stand for somebody, work, witness, minister, help, bless, encourage, whatever it takes because I am God's plan. Would you stand with me, please? Let me ask you, would you come join us at the front? Amen, I'm God's plan. How many, and listen, if you're a first time attender, we like to close around front with a final song and a final prayer, so if you're a first time, please come join us if you feel comfortable. How many of you are not yet, you're not yet settled, that you're not yet convinced that you are God's plan? Don't raise your hand. But how many of you, you still, You're still not sure. You're still not sure that God can and wants to use you. Prayer teams in place? Getting ready to pray for you. Because somebody today. Somebody today is ready for amazing. Anybody ready for amazing? I'm ready for some amazing. I'm tired of the battles. I'm tired of, I'm tired of losing the battles. There's not a warrior in the world that is afraid of the battle. He just don't want to lose. There's not a football player that played yesterday that was afraid of the football game. He just didn't want to lose. I'm tired of losing. Anybody tired of losing? I'm ready for some victories. I'm ready for some wins. I'm ready ready for some amazing in my life. But here's what you're doing is when you're saying, but I'm still not sure. Are are you sure? sure, I really don't know, Pastor. Are you really, really sure? Because, Pastor, you don't know what I've done this week. You don't know what I smoked back in college and high school. You don't know how I treated people back then. You don't know my racist upbringings. You don't know all of, my, all of my feelings that I carry around inside of me. You don't know all that stuff, Pastor. You don't know how many times I've been married and divorced and married and divorced and married and divorced and then been with a bunch of people I wasn't ever even married to either. Pastor, you don't know all that. I, I, I just believe God's, God's just too mad at me to use me. I, I just believe God, God's, he's got to punish me. I, that's, you know, that, that's just the way I feel. I, I, he, he can't bless me financially. I, I, I cheat on my income taxes. He can't bless me financially. I, I haven't been honest with the customers that I serve. And, and pastor, he, he, he just can't use me in that way. First of all, let's deal with that. If you've done something knowingly, that's rebellion, that's sin. Just say, God, admit it to God, say, forgive me, Lord, and it's done. You don't need to pray a 30-minute prayer. If you need to pray a 30-minute prayer, that means a 30-minute prayer is what saved you. That will not save you. The blood of Jesus Christ will save you. You just need to acknowledge it, say, I need the blood of Jesus, and it's washed away, and you're forgiven. Get over it now. Let's go on. Because now, here's what I want you to hear what God says. There was a time in Israel's history... Was a time in Israel's history when they had disobeyed God they had walked away from him They had turned their back on him. They were doing evil and vile things and there was stuff going on and they were being punished And they were being whipped because they wouldn't get right and God was and God was wanting to make things right God was wanting to bring them back together He was wanting to bless them again And yet they had all these things in their mind about how well God can't do that because you know we, We've disobeyed him here. We've disobeyed him there and and, and that's where Jeremiah 29 11, 29 11, sound familiar? That's where Jeremiah 29 11 comes from. And, and to paraphrase a little bit here, this is what, okay, I'm gonna paraphrase and paraphrase, like I said a few minutes, I'm gonna take a, some liberties right here, okay? Because I want you to get, I want you to get the context of what God is saying. God is saying, don't tell me how I feel about you. Come on, listen. Don't tell me I'm mad at you. I'm tired of hearing that. Come on, go, go, go read the story of the prodigal son again. God is saying right here, he said, don't tell me. How I'm going to treat you don't tell me what my plans are for you Don't tell me that I'm gonna punish you this week because you're cheating on your income taxes or or because you you've been married too Many times or or because of some other sin in your life. Don't tell me what I've got planned for you I know what I've planned for you. That's what he's saying right here. I know what I've planned for you I know what I've planned for you. Oh, come on somebody get a hold of that. I know what I've planned for you I have planned I've planned for you to prosper. I have even plan to harm you. Do you believe I sent my my only son to die on the cross of Calvary? so that I could harm you? No, I plan to prosper you. I know the plan that I have for you, to give you hope. You remember when Jesus cried over all those people that were hopeless, and some of you are hopeless today. You think your marriage is unsavable. You think your your finances are, are, are unsavable. You think there's something in your life that is already dead, and Jesus cried over them because they were hopeless, and there he says right there, he says, I don't plan. He said, I plan to prosper you, not to harm you. I've got plans to give you hope. Those who are hopeless today, those of you who have already written It written R.I.P. over your marriage, or your finances, or your future. He is saying, "I've got plans to give you hope. I've got plans to give you a future." This is what God. So quit telling God how He feels about you. Let me tell you how He feels about you. He gave you His very best. He looked into heaven and says, "What can I give to the world? Because I love Him so much." And He took His own Son and He gave His own Son for 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 our sin. And He gave it. He gave that life. And that that's how He feels about you. Bow with me right now.